Welcome on in to the Superintendent Radio Network and episode 18 of Off the Course, the podcast where we talk with golf course superintendents and other turf pros about their lives off the course. I'm Matt Lowell, Managing Editor of Golf Course Industry Magazine, and I'm joined today by Kevin Banks. Kevin is the superintendent at the Vineyard Golf Club, an organic course out on Martha's Vineyard, where he just celebrated his fifth work anniversary last week. Guy Cipriano and I talked with Kevin last year about his organic restraints and challenges, but he's here today to tell a very different story. Last year, not long before the start of another season and before the start of the pandemic, he shattered his ankle in a ski accident. He couldn't kneel down for months to check the turf. He couldn't walk the course. He was unable to leave the island for months, and his wife had just a few months before then delivered their third child. Before we dive into the details of rehabbing a major injury during a season and during a pandemic, a few quick notes. Love your grill? Our Turfhead's Guide to Grilling series encourages industry professionals everywhere to share glamour shots of food on a grill or a serving plate, cooking videos, team bonding shots, recipes and tips, and it's in full swing. Just use the Turf Heads Grilling hashtag and tag GCI Magazine and Solutions for Turf. Solutions, the number four turf, on Twitter. Materials will be collected throughout 2021 and printed in a year-end insert in our December Turf Heads Takeover issue. Industry professionals whose materials... Ugh. Industry professionals whose materials are selected for that insert will be eligible to win a team cookout in 2022. AquaAid Solutions is our partner for this juicy program. AquaAid Solutions is also the proud sponsor of Off the Course. For more than 30 years, AquaAid Solutions has been helping turf managers around the world develop comprehensive agronomic plans to produce healthy, environmentally aware, safe, natural grass playing surfaces. They're proud to deliver best-in-class solutions for management of key elements for a healthy and sustainable plant system. Their solutions include wetting agents, soil surfactants, calcium and potassium products, and worm-powered turf, all of which helps the end user optimize his or her agronomic programs. Incorporating AquaAid Solutions' technologically advanced active ingredients with cutting-edge equipment technology in IMANTS, Vrito Seeders, and Seagrow Mobile Grow Systems, turf managers are offered synergistic solutions, delivering long-lasting agronomic value, improved aesthetics, and playability. AquaAid Solutions. Kevin Banks of the Vineyard Golf Club, after the break. My guest again on this episode of Off the Course, Kevin Banks from the Vineyard Golf Club out on Martha's Vineyard. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So it is April 2nd. I mentioned in the intro you just celebrated a work anniversary. You also just celebrated a birthday. You really clump these big life moments together in the spring, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's been, uh, you know, and even when I first interviewed for this job and went to the island, it was 
just kind of nice to celebrate a birthday at you know, first week being here. And yeah, no, it actually it kind of just worked out well. We were able to celebrate two great moments in one night. So yeah, it's, uh, timing-wise, it worked out great. The focus of this podcast, this episode, unfortunately not one of the better moments of your life, but maybe maybe it'll provide some help and some guidance <laughs> to superintendents who have injuries at some point during their careers, and, and thankfully you were young when this happened. So when we talked last year, you casually mentioned that you were recovering from a pretty major ankle injury. You headed up. It was really just up the coast. You were up in Maine, and you were only 33 at the time. You hadn't even turned 34. You just now turned 35. Uh, so you could recover a little more quickly, but not like when you were a teen or a 20-something. Mm-hmm. So what, what happened? You go up to Maine. You, it was a ski accident, right? And you just come back, and, and your ankle is, is shattered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. We, uh, you know, we were all excited about this ski trip, my, my wife and I, and we were bringing our, our three kids. So at the time, we're three, two, and uh, four months old. And it was our first time away. Our, our kids were so young. We were like, you know what? We're going to take advantage of this ski trip. This, the snow was great. So we kind of booked this trip last minute. We rented a house up in Maine. The forecast looked great. So we were, you know, we were just really um, excited to be up there. And we actually went with a, with a few friends of ours, too, uh, who have kids similar ages. So, you know, it was just a well-planned out trip. We were excited. So we got up there first day, uh, got there late, unpacked, and the next day we had plans to wake up early, go skiing, and we did. And uh, it was just a beautiful day, uh, bluebird skies. Uh, it was much warmer than what they were calling for. It was supposed to be about 48. We actually were flirting with 60 degrees and um, some New England skiing. When it gets that warm, it can get kind of sloppy, slippery. The snow gets kind of chunky, sloshy. So uh, and we started feeling it towards the end there. And it was actually the worst part of it. I mean, not only was it the first day of our trip, but it was actually the last run of the day as well. Mm. And... We were kind of far from the base. We were about Sunday River and a pretty big mountain. And the snow was definitely getting slow, slowing us down our speed. So we're coming down to this chairlift to catch a trail to get back back down to the base. And, you know, I was kind of I was going faster than I usually do to try and get speed and really just try to make to the chairlift without trying to uh, sidestep there. And as I got to the bottom of the hill, just my, my right ski just caught a really awkward edge. And it took a really hard right. And in doing so, this happened so fast, I actually don't remember it really happening. But uh, in doing so, I tried to catch my fall, and somehow something just had to give. My, my legs got buckled, and uh, my right ankle, um, it shattered on both sides and dislocated all inside my ski boot. And it happened so fast, I, I didn't hear it break. I didn't really feel it. I, I felt a sharp pain, but I thought maybe I sprained it. Once I fell, I actually got back up, actually stood up on my ankle and immediately knew that something didn't feel right. There was not a lot of pain. Maybe it was just adrenaline running, but I uh, definitely knew that something wasn't right. I tried to stand up, couldn't, thought maybe I just sprained it, called ski patrol over, and they, they brought me down. And uh, if you've never been on the back of a little toboggan with ski patrol, it's really not that fun. A bunch of snow and ice just hitting you in the face all the way down. And fortunately... Uh, Sunday River has their own ski clinic there for accidents, and and they brought me in. And at first, the pain didn't really get worse. It was still the same on a scale of one through ten. It was about a you know a three or four. 
just asked me a bunch of questions. They didn't seem like anything was too wrong. Maybe I say anything bruised it, sprained it. So uh, first thing they did was try to take my boot off, and they realized that they were having a difficult time. Um, actually, it took two, two or three people to take my boot off, and, and then I was mm. starting to get a little nervous. I could tell that there was some swelling going on that uh, happened pretty quick. Got my boot off, then next up, took my sock off, and it wasn't until they took my sock off that I realized how swollen it was already. And even though I broke my ankle on both sides and dislocated it inside my ski boot, there wasn't really much room for my ankle to move. So even though it was dislocated and broken, it, it, it looked, you know, it looked, kind of looked in place. Um, but because of the swelling, we immediately did an x-ray, and that's when I got the bad news that uh, I had fractured it on the left side and the right side, and it was dislocated too. So um, they kind of broke the bad news, kind of gave me some options. They said, I, you know, it wasn't necessary, but I, I could go to a local hospital or uh, they knew that I was from Boston, so they, they had recommended that I go home and uh, go see a specialist in Boston. And also, I had to break the news to my wife, and she wasn't too happy. But I would definitely say the worst part about being there is before I left, they had to put my ankle back into place, and that was oh. probably the worst. That was probably the worst part about the whole whole God. experience, right there. So it was the last run of the day. I was looking forward to a whole week of skiing, and you know, I'm a turf guy. I, I work. 80 hours all summer and weekends, and I kind of look forward to every winter to, to go skiing. It's just one thing that I love to do, and there's just a freak accident. So, you know, we were uh, I was all excited, and, uh, yeah, it's just unfortunate. But, you know, they, they did say that the way I broke it, you know, it was a, it was a clean break, which is good, And but they also said I was pretty fortunate that I didn't do anything to my knee or or break, or like kind of like break my femur or, or anything, so... Felt really fortunate in a weird way, but at the same time, it was just uh, it's just one of those things. Very unfortunate, but here we are. You just said a second ago that you work 80 hours every week, all summer. You go up in the winter, and you ski for a week or so. How long had you been skiing? Like, uh, um, just since you were a kid? Since, uh, yeah, at least since like uh, middle school, like pretty frequently. I, I think I went a few times when I was in elementary school, but I didn't really enjoy it or really get into it until middle school, and that's when we did the ski club in middle school and high school, so uh, not only did I go up with friends or family, but uh, also joined the ski club and went up at least two or three times a year with the middle school and high school, so yeah, I mean, it's just something I've always loved to do, you know, and when I was in high school, I didn't really, I didn't know I was going to become a golf course superintendent, so it just happened that, uh, with having some free time during the winter, it just worked out where I could still do the thing that I love to do. So in this accident, you know, fortunately my, my, uh, my surgeon in Boston, uh, actually has a house at Sunday river and actually, uh, won ski competitions in college in high school. So he was a huge ski bum too. So, um, he was, he made it very clear to me that post-surgery, he made sure he used the right plates, the right screws in my ankle. And, he said I'd be ready to ski in about two years, so um, I'm going to hold him to that because I would love to get back on the slopes again. So you have not been on skis, obviously, since this happened a little more than a year ago, safe to say, maybe next year. Had you ever had anything remotely close to this, like a, maybe even just a severely swollen ankle after a fall, much less any break like not, this? You know, I, I broke a finger and... Uh, middle school just playing basketball but that was you know that was just a, a simple little splint 
you'll be fine in two or three weeks. Sure. I've broken a few toes playing soccer, but um, nothing major like this. I've had plenty of stitches. Um, so, you know, just uh, falling off a bike or, well, if I did to get stitches, but just like minor surgeries, appendix and whatnot. But, yeah, nothing major broken like that. So, um, yeah, it was definitely something new to me. You know, I always like to be on the move, and it was just kind of weird uh, post, you know, pre-surgery, because even uh, when I returned from Maine the following day, I basically had to hang out at my parents' house for a good week to let the swelling go down, get some, uh, you know, get two separate opinions on my ankle, and, you know, and then have surgery. So it was a good week, 10 days before I even had surgery, A, to let the swelling go down, but just make sure I was kind of in the right hands, because... Even though it was a clean break, it was still a pretty major break. So, yeah, so it was, it was weird those times. And then even post-surgery, just uh, not being able to move for a solid few weeks and kind of relying on others to help me out. It was, it was definitely different and uh, something I hope I'd never have to do again. So <laughs> I'll be sure to, uh, when I go skiing next year, to stay in the blues. I like how you very casually just threw in that you had had a few other very minor procedures, you know, throwing in the appendix as if having a, even the tiniest internal organ removed is, <laughs> is a minor procedure. Okay. Yeah, that was, uh, it, that was actually when I was like five years old. And oh, it, was, uh, it was just like one of those, like, just kind of woke up with a awkward stomach pain. And uh, fortunately, my mother knew, kind of had in the, she was like, you know, she had it when she was a child, so she just, had this crazy guess that was what was going on, and thank goodness she was right. So, and not just a you know your typical five year old just complaining about a belly ache. So, thankfully, uh, I had her. So it's it's ten days, give or take, after the accident, after the fall. You're going in mm-hmm. for your surgery. You, I'm sure, had already realized that the season ahead would just be remarkably different. At what point did you start to? Kind of think about, am I going to have to take a cart everywhere? How close can I get to the turf? Am I going to be able to, to do what I'm able to do, or do I have to delegate more? At, at, at what point did that all cross your mind, Kevin? Yeah, so that, that crossed my mind immediately. I mean, I, I, think, about work, I think about work 24-7. You know, uh, you know, sometimes I give some white lies to my wife, and she's like, oh, you do the work? And it's like, no, I'm just doing some fancy football. And I'm actually just researching uh, <laughs> what what kind of fine fescues help suppress crabgrass growth, you know? <laughs> she'll, she'll think I'm crazy if I tell her what I'm actually doing. So, um, you know, I, it, was, it hit me immediately. And not only that, but um, when we were in Maine in February of last year, you know, we were talking about COVID. You know, that was kind of like one of those things that was just kind of, it was getting worse, it was getting worse, um, what's going to happen. So not only do I have to deal with the reality that I, I'm not going to be able to move, um, how am I going to drive because it was my right foot, you know, who am I have to rely on for driving me around, uh, you know, I've got to start working six o'clock soon, you know, so a lot of those thoughts were going in my head and how am I going to get home, but also dealing with the pandemic and seeing it get worse was kind of a, a harsh reality too, because I remember I got back to the island post-surgery in the first week of March, and right when I got back, that's when things really started to shut down here, mm-hmm. and being on Martha's Vineyard, we're a very tight-knit community. It's a small community. Uh, we have a very small hospital. So we, we couldn't afford a large outbreak. And we didn't know if we were going to get one or what was going to happen. COVID was still new then, and the state was being very cautious on shutting down. So 
yeah, you know, I, I was worried about myself getting to work. How am I going to function? Uh, how reliable am I going to be? You know, am I, am, I, am I only going to be able to handle half days? What's therapy going to look like? Uh, but also, it was getting to a point where it's like, all right, when can we go back to work? Uh, because the state of Massachusetts actually shut all golf course operations down. And um, after two weeks, the governor um, named golf courses essential to a degree where just basic basic practices, you know, uh, keep the hours minimal. But um, the governor also allowed Martha's Vineyard to overrule anything that he allowed. So um, it was at, also at the point where the local authorities in Martha's Vineyard uh, did not allow us to go back to work, even though the rest of Massachusetts could. So we were going on three or four weeks without even being able to, to like, come here. Mm. So uh, there's a lot of uncertainty going on. And, uh, you know, fortunately, the weather was really bad out here last March. We were cool, wet. Uh, so we weren't really missing out on too much, but it definitely set us back on uh, projects and what have you, and, and so be it. So, yeah, you know, uh, I, I think the, the injury definitely put a lot of concern in pause, but um, dealing with a pandemic also put a little thought process into that, too. And I did not send any notes or questions along to you ahead of time, but it's almost as if I had, because that was literally the next bit on my notes, <laughs> on my format, was to ask, you know, how did, how did things go as you were into your very early uh, recovery, and, and here comes the pandemic. So the course is closed for almost a month, and mm-hmm. you're recovering. Obviously, you can't do, like you said, any of the projects, let alone any other just maintenance around the club. What was the first month like when you're not going to the course at all? You've had your surgery. You're starting to figure out what life is going to be like in 2021, short of the pandemic. What What did you do? How did you How did you get around? Uh, obviously, you're not walking. You're not driving anywhere. So you're completely reliant on Sarah and, and others, I'm sure. Yeah. No, it was uh, it was a lot of pro football talk. Okay. Um, and just laying on the couch, and you know, my my surgeon wanted me to keep my foot elevated for it was at least twelve hours a day. It was like something like sixteen hours a day. My foot had to be elevated. Uh, they were because of my surgery and uh, how fragile it was. They didn't want me to you know become susceptible to any blood clots. So they were very strict on keeping my foot elevated. I'm glad I did because. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about, this, talk about this later, but my, my healing actually went really well. So uh, it was just a lot of, unfortunately, just laying around for the first three to four weeks. I've never had crutches, so uh, trying to go upstairs um, was really awkward at first. Any little bounce on my ankle just hurt like heck. I mean, I have, I have, a, plate, I have a plate on each side and a total of 16 screws. So it was just, uh, just a lot of swelling and just a lot of pain and any little sudden movement just, uh, just, you know, just caused me a lot of grief. So, yeah, unfortunately, it was just a lot of laying around. You know, we weren't working, so I was trying to stay in touch with my assistants and, you know, try to keep spirits high because not only was I locked down, but winter itself on the vineyard can be very long. But when you're, when you're stuck at home by yourself, uh, you know, being in your young uh, mid to late 20s can be tough, too. So, you know, I, I want to make sure that my staff was good, and the, the golf course did a really good thing. Um, we were giving out food to all employees. You know, we, we really didn't want our guys to be out in public. We wanted to keep ex- exposure to a minimum, um, go to the pharmacy if you have to, but 
if you need food. Uh, the golf course was giving out milk and eggs and uh, frozen meat. Uh, you name it, they had it. So that was a really, really good gesture that, that the club did. And not only for my guys, but for me too, because uh, we have we had three little kids and my wife didn't really have time to go to the grocery store. So it was nice to kind of just come to the golf course, stock up on supplies, say hi to familiar faces, uh, and stuff like that. So, you know, not only was I locked down, but it was good for me to kind of get out of the house once a week and see some people and feel like I was still, you know, planning to do something, I guess. When was the first time that you actually got back to the course? Was it April? And, and when you did, I'm sure it, it wasn't even a full day. I think you mentioned that could I even handle half days? Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was probably second week of April, maybe. Okay. Um, and at first I was just going in for just a few hours maybe three to four hours, because I remember coming in, immediately coming to my desk. Um, I had to put my leg up somewhere, and even just even just sitting in my desk chair with my right leg on another office chair, it just didn't feel right. A lot of swelling, and because I'm, I, and because I'm at work, I did not want to stay in my chair, so I'm hobbling around on crutches, looking at inventory, seeing if our Civitas early order came in or whatever, so any... Anytime I spent on crutches, my foot would just swell up big time and I had to come back and sit down. So it was just really uncomfortable. You know, it was good to be here for a few hours, catch up on invoices or uh, see what the guys are up to, kind of go over notes and plan for the next coming weeks uh, and try to plan out any projects that we could get done in a safely manner. So, But I, I remember early on coming here and being on, being on crutches for no more than 15 minutes, my foot would just swell up. It would start throbbing, so... I was still very limited on my movements um, at that time. And I know we did a dry jack on our greens the second week of May. And I remember once we hit the second week of May, I was able to be out on crutches a little more often. Um, I was actually going through my phone the other night. There's one of my guys that sent me a photo of me on the green uh, that we had just double dry jacked uh, And I was on my crutches. And I remember being out there for like, you know, maybe an hour. Uh, and then after an hour, having to come back inside. So from the second week of April till the second week of May, I could gradually be on crutches more. But because it, because it was my right foot, I really couldn't drive. So I was kind of relying on my wife uh, to, to drive me around. We were, she was working around uh, two of our kids' nap schedules. So oh. I was definitely on a tight schedule. And I was also starting physical therapy then. So because of COVID, they were only taking patients who had serious injuries uh, in my case, me, thankfully. And there were times where I was literally the only person inside the hospital. It was kind of eerie. You could only go in one way, out the other. You were, you know, you went through a series, uh, a series of tests before you could even go in. And it was just a really weird time between uh, this injury and, and going through the early stages of the pandemic. So, and all those factors just played a, uh, you know, played a part in what my schedule was like. You mentioned that you you've mentioned a few times that you weren't able to drive certainly a car was there any possibility you could drive even a golf cart with your left foot and stick your right foot out or even on the course for you relying on your assistant or, or others to get you around yeah so i didn't think of this until now but um not only did we have three children and uh we also the golf course bought a border collie uh like two <laughs> years ago and if you're not familiar with border collies, they need to run. 
exercise, exercise, exercise. So, uh, so when we got home from my ski trip, the board collie didn't really know what to do. She was driving my wife nuts. Uh, thankfully, we have a fence and yard, and our oldest uh, loved the border collie, just loved her. So it was kind of a blessing that, uh, you know, our son was out of school, but he could, you know, at least go in the backyard and throw the ball around and keep her busy. But it got to a point where the border collie just just had to run. And we have such a bad goose problem here uh, in the months of February, uh, March, and April that I could tell just being around for a few minutes that the geese were just getting terrible. So um, it got to a point where I just, you know, asked my wife, can you please just drop me off, come back in two hours. And I just started driving my golf cart with my left foot. It's much easier to drive the golf cart with the left foot than uh, than, than my truck. Sure. But um, So, you know, I finally was able to get the board collie to get some exercise. And, you know, I won those ball launcher so i was able to kind of balance on my crutches and throw the ball around for an hour and get her exhausted so that when we came back home my wife didn't really have to babysit her as well so my poor wife she basically had was dealing with four children at that point I called the uh, we was call our border collie our fourth child at what point were you able to actually approach anything like a pre-accident pre-surgery day on the course or have you been able to even yet yeah, no, um, I don't know exactly when, but for sure, like, the golf course starting to get really busy in May. And, and by late May, I was, you know, I didn't tell anybody, but I was starting to drive my truck around with my left foot. I was just, I, I, I basically just had enough of relying on other people to, you know, to help me out. But I basically said, all right, I'm just going to hop my truck and go to work. So, you know, I'd grab the dog with my crutches and hop in the truck and I figured out how to drive my left truck pretty quickly and, you know, just started to become more visual, having more of a presence on the golf course and not just to do it just because, you know, we were so far behind and not that I could do anything, but if I could help with planning, you know, I, I didn't want my, one of the things about being on the island is that we deal with, you know, a pretty strict freight system. We're getting sand deliveries. Um, I'm, on, I'm on the phone with my truck driver nonstop and, once we figure out a schedule, then I have to deal with the ferries. And, um, you know, dealing with the ferry schedule during a pandemic, it wasn't your regular schedule. So I want to kind of take that burden off my assistance and make sure inventories were in, plan out the next two months of sand deliveries, sod, stuff like that, just to basically help out as best I can. And, you know, we're, we're really high in golf clubs, so we have as invoices pouring in nonstop. So I basically just want to make sure that, that the business side of things were really taken care of and not put that burden on my assistance you know i was able to drive around with my left foot and hop on a few greens and you know not using pesticides you kind of never really know what's going to be on the greens i mean usually we don't get dollar spot until june or july but it was kind of a wet month so you know i, I just want to make sure that there was no early signs of dollar spot or anthracnose or anything going on where we just had to kind of change our cultural practices around so um i will say i was probably more visual around mid to late May. Hmm. Um, and because of the pandemic, people, all of our members felt safe on the island and for, for really good reason. It's a really great community and um, a lot of our members have homes in Florida or New York. So I think, um, you know, being on being here compared to maybe some of those other places, there was maybe less exposure. So from a golf perspective, we were really busy in May compared to what we usually do. On a normal year, we usually do right around 9,500 to 10,000 rounds. 
Um, I think last year we did 19,000 or 20,000, so we almost wow. doubled our, our amount of play. So it was just a very busy year for us. So and that started early, and I think once I started seeing members around and how busy the golf schedule was in mid-May, that's kind of when I became uh, more full-time. And from, like, a physical standpoint, like, you know, I can – we were really short-staffed because of, of the pandemic. I was able to help mow fairways, uh, definitely couldn't mow greens by hand or any – really do any – I couldn't even really do course setup. Uh, but I was able to help uh, mow fairways, so I, I basically just wanted to help out whenever I could. I was actually spraying fairways for a few days, uh, so it was nice to help out where I could. Even today, I try to run a mile. It, it hurts. I played pickleball a few weeks ago, and it, it felt good playing pickleball at the time. Uh, but three days after, it, you know, my ankle was just, you know, sw- uh, swollen and just a little bit of discomfort. So. It's still a process. My my surgeon in Boston said it would be a good two-year recovery. Um, at first, I didn't believe him just because I didn't want to. But as the months go on, it's definitely uh, he's he's pretty accurate. I mean, it was a pretty yeah. pretty bad break, and I got a, I have a lot more hardware in my ankle now. And I remember last year, the really first few cold mornings in late September or October, you could just feel the feel like just that numbness inside my ankle just cold metal and uh, really stiff. So, yeah, you know, I, I think I've got years ahead of me of just getting used to this. So I think flying will be something new. Sure. I'll be sending uh, every sensor off in that building. But, yeah, it's just going to be a work in progress. But at, at the end of the day, it's I've been really fortunate. I've had no setbacks. My physical therapy went really well. I feel like I'm on schedule, if not ahead of schedule. So I just got to keep being active and uh, basically just keep getting stronger. I love that you decided to play pickleball. Now, running presents its own challenges, even just a mile, because it's, it's the <laughs> same motion, step after step after step, and, and you know somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 steps in a mile. Right. But pickleball, it, it's so similar to, to tennis and, and racquetball in that there's stopping and starting and changing directions, and maybe it's more of an issue if you had had a knee injury. But I can't imagine right. it felt very good on an ankle injury either. No, it definitely, and I've never played before, okay. so I got, yeah. I got kind of, <laughs> and I and I knew what it was, and we were playing with teammates, so I'm like, all right, you know, it's, it's a much smaller court, there's two of us, I'm like, eh, it can't be that bad, I said, you know, it's been about a year since my injury, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be all right, and I wear my hiking boots to make sure I had more ankle support, and, uh, <laughs> and I remember, like, uh, the first ball that I, like, sprinted to and came to a hard stop, I was like, oh, I was like, this this might not have been a good idea, but uh, you know it was fun, and I, I definitely pushed it. It never really hurt. It was, it's, you know, the, the next day or next days it was definitely uh, swollen and had some discomfort, but you know it, it, it felt good. So uh, I have not played since, and I've been asked to, and I <laughs> and I've and wisely have passed on. But you know, I, I've recently bought a, a Peloton bike just to, you know just keep exercising my my like muscles, and it's amazing how weak my entire right leg got just from a just from an ankle injury so purchased a peloton not too long ago and that's actually been a really nice uh really nice addition to my uh therapy here we do not have one at home but i have enough friends who do that i i need to ask how long did you have to wait for your peloton bike to come after you ordered it surprisingly not that long um i I think we were delayed only uh maybe like three or four weeks which i i've heard some people have waited longer yeah i want to say like three weeks and that was coming to to the island, which is actually pretty good for us. So uh, I think we just ordered it at the right time. 
one last real curiosity here, and that is the challenges of caring for a baby with limited mobility. Now, your youngest was about four months old when you had the accident, almost about a year and a half now. But most of the time while you were recovering, there was there was total immobility for you and total immobility for your youngest. Uh, no, no walking, maybe some crawling. What, what are some yep. of the challenges? What, when did you have to like stop and say, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I shouldn't do that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, we were in a fortunate situation. Our two oldest are, were really, geez, even though they were four and three or four and two, um, they're really independent. And they're only 17, 18 months apart, so they're almost like twins. They're, they're, they're best friends. Um, at the time, time of the pandemic, they really only had each other because, you know, we weren't seeing anybody. Uh, they were in school or preschool. Um, so I was fortunate. Um, my wife definitely spent a lot of time with the baby uh, for uh, many reasons, and I would try to help out with the two oldest as best I could. But they were really, they were really good. They, they knew that Daddy had, had a boo-boo. Uh, they were always brushing my foot and, <laughs> you know, and... Uh, and trying to put more pillows underneath my foot, and they were really careful around me. You know, and at the same time, they were just in the playroom playing well together. They never, they really don't argue that much, which, which is great. You know, and I was able to kind of go in the playroom, and, you know, the way our room was set up, we have a little uh, end table that, you know, if they were doing puzzles, I, I could at least lean over and help. Um, you know, not for the first month, but... Uh, after the first month, I was getting better on my crutches, so if they needed juice or water, I could. It might have taken a while, but I, I could at least get them, you know, some pretzels or a glass of water. So I definitely tried to help as best I could, but at the same time, they were also very good. So definitely no complaints there. It could have been worse, um, but, but the, our, our tools were really good about everything. It's good to hear. Uh, having a four-year-old yeah. at home myself, it just I feel like every four-year-old is is a tiny maniac, but maybe they aren't all <laughs> tiny maniacs. No, they they definitely have a lot of energy, but they find ways to take it out without uh, without getting involved. So uh, whether it's uh, just running around the house in circles or uh, or just going, you know, our kids could care less if it was ten degrees or ninety degrees. They're going to go outside and just run around. So. Uh, like I said earlier, it was nice that we have a fencing yard and get a little trampoline, and uh, they're able to throw the ball outside to the border collie. So, you know, we had some things going for us to help get some steam out, but, you know, it was definitely far from easy dealing with everything, but it definitely could have been worse. Anything else that you want to bring up? Anything else that you want to point out or make sure folks know? Uh, heaven forbid they have a similar injury to this. No, I mean, you know, I. the only advice I would give is really listen to your doctor. Okay. Um, post-physical therapy, stick with the exercises. I know one of the things I was going through is, um, you know, I had a few friends and colleagues that have either, you know, say they broke their wrist or had broken a foot, and everybody had said to me, after physical therapy, continue doing the work, and... Um, I probably could have done a better job, but I definitely still stuck with a lot of my stretches and exercises, and I'm glad I did because I actually think that helps speed up my recovery. Yeah, that's the only advice I would really give. But no, I, I can't think of anything else, really. I think we covered a lot there. And every good nonfiction book has an acknowledgement section filled with names and, and the folks who made it possible. 
just a, a quick chance for some shout outs. Obviously your wife, Sarah, uh, yep. but, but who else really, really could you not have, have made it through the last year without whether it was, uh, at home or doing things around the house or obviously, uh, at the course as well. Yeah. You know, a huge thanks, thanks goes to my wife. Um, you know, she with everything that was going on, she handled everything so good. And I, I don't know if I was in her shoes, if I would have had as much patience as she did, but you know, huge thanks goes out to my wife and really just the entire senior management staff here at Vineyard golf club. I mean, they knew what I was going through. Uh, you know, they were sending us groceries. They were they offered um, cleaners to clean our house. Uh, they really went above and beyond to make sure that not just me, but my whole family was living comfortable, and they didn't want to put any added stress on us. So, I mean, between the whole senior management team and and the board of governors at Senior Golf Club, I mean, they really looked after us and helped us out in so many ways. Um, and really just my, my, my staff. I mean, not only did they have to deal with what I was dealing with and, you know, I'm sure there were some days where I was just impatient or maybe was out of the loop and didn't really know what was going on and maybe demanding a few things, but they're really patient. They handled the pandemic very well. We were, you know, we always felt safe here. The guys did the smart thing. If, if, if anybody felt like they were getting sick, everybody was completely honest with me and my guys. So, you know, huge kudos goes out to my entire staff too. So uh, we were, I spent much more time with them all last summer than I did with my personal family. So I definitely consider my my uh, core staff here, my family. And uh, so huge kudos goes out to them too. Well, Kevin, it was great to finally catch up with you. I know you've been busy. and uh, Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm glad to hear you're doing so much better. Obviously about a year ahead still of recovery, but it, it sounds like yeah. it's been a really good first 12 or 13 months. Yeah, no, I'm very happy with, with where I'm at uh, from a whole – recovery standpoint my ankle feels great i'm you know i'm pretty active uh, I've, I've heard some horror stories but you know given my situation things are really good and i, I really can't complain so I, I appreciate you uh saying that and i really appreciate the uh time today it was, it was really fun i appreciate it hopefully you can come out to the vineyard and uh i mean we are such a unique property here gil hans did a tremendous job with the renovation a few years back um, you know, not only from an architecture standpoint, is it a great course, but just the whole uh, organic side of things and, you know, just the things that we've been a part of the last few years doing uh, trials with Cornell and weed research. There's just so many things going on here. It's a really cool property, so I hope you can uh, make it out here one of these days. I hope to. I hope to. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's Kevin Banks of the Vineyard Golf Club on Martha's Vineyard. Very, very healthy recovery from a very nasty injury. Thanks so much, Kevin. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate it. My thanks again to Kevin Banks for taking some time to step off the course. My thanks to the Off the Course sponsor, AquaAid Solutions. And my thanks to all of you for listening to all the podcasts on the Superintendent Radio Network. New episodes of Beyond the Page, Greens with Envy, off the course, and Tartan Talks right here every Tuesday. Our April issue will be online a little later this week with a great cover package by Lee Carr about environmentally savvy course maintenance. Check it out at www.golfcourseindustry.com magazine. 
You can read more industry news and notes in our Fast and Firm newsletter delivered every Tuesday to your inbox. You can sign up online on the homepage of Golf Course Industry. That's www.golfcourseindustry.com. Golf Course Industry is produced by Guy Cipriano and me, Matt Lowell. Our columnists are the best. Terry Buchan, Henry DeLosier, Bradley S. Klein, Tim Morrigan, and Matthew Wharton. We have some just fantastic regular contributors, too. Tyler Bloom, Trent Bouts, Lee Carr, and her incredible April cover package. Ron Furlong, Judd Spicer, John Torsiello, Anthony Williams, and Rick Wolfel. Our publisher is Dave Zai. Our sales gurus are Russ Warner and Andrew Hatfield. Jim Blaney designs the magazine. Thanks, Jim. Kate McCoy makes sure everything goes where it should. Averill Braden and Christina Warner make sure you all receive the magazine. Kelly Antle makes sure we all get paid. Michaela Dodrell handles advertising and production. Irene Sweeney does everything and more. Anna Kolar, Cody Minnick, Tom Bauman, Patrick Briand, and Aaron Schreider make up our IT team. Thomas Vidmar handles our classifieds. He's brand new. Give him a call. Our president is Chris Foster. Above all else, we couldn't do what we do without you. Thanks so much for listening.